Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I hear the flight of the bumblebee telling me that it's time for another episode of entertainment, education, opinion. Well, I try not to give too many opinions. I always want to give everybody the opportunity to have a second opinion. I do that at work also. A little advertising. If you have a tax question or you just need some help, I offer a free consultation. It's usually over the phone. I enjoy meeting new people. I've met a few people over the phone just the last couple of days just by being at work and answering the phone when I when I have a chance. There's always another interesting subject coming up. The main tax thing coming up right around now that I've been anticipating for almost three years. The PG&E money, the PG&E lawsuit money is finally coming in to the victims of the Paradise Campfire. We're starting to see a lot of numbers. Attorney fees have been a little lower than people expected. For some reason, they lowered them to 20%. The negative thing I see, the actual numbers for some of the people I've talked to have been higher than they expected based on their Shall I say it wasn't that bad of a deal, but they're happy with the numbers being higher. The problem I see is first the attorney's money comes out first, which is obvious. But right now they received 30% of their settlement. And I believe there's some fine print that says if something happens to PG&E before you get the other 70%, uh, you may have to take a cut because there's something eating into that other 70 in other words, it would have been nice for these settlements to just come out and say, boom, here's your, here's your settlement, and just give everybody 100%. I don't quite understand the, the logic, but then again, I guess would you rather have 30% of a large settlement or 100% of a small settlement? I'm not sure how the numbers are all really being worked out and calculated, but so far... The question for me is, when the settlement is for property, you can look back and see what someone got from their insurance already, and then you see whether that new money is taxable as more of a gain on the sale of the property. The problem is you have the other categories, which I've seen called zone, which is like how close were you to this problem when it occurred, and nuisance, which I'm guessing is because these letters I'm reading from the attorneys settling these cases, they're not giving a ton of detail as to exactly what's what. They just have this breakdown. I'm assuming the nuisance amount is the fact that you now live in a, you're living on the moon up there if you had a house that burned down and all your neighbors are gone and there's no neighbors. So you have the property, then you have a zone, then you have a nuisance. And that's going to vary for everybody. My job as a tax professional is to make sure that if part of these settlements are non-taxable, that I get that legally for the client and get his taxes down. It's very complicated, but the overarching general rule is that a settlement for a physical injury is non-taxable. But when you get into a settlement for stress caused by running away from a fire, is that a physical injury? And 
you might think it's a clear-cut answer, but trust me, over the last, I'd say about the last 20, I don't know, 25 years since they started monkeying with the settlement law in the tax law, every time I see these, I really have to look it all up again and see what the latest cases are because it is not clear-cut. It is very subjective. It's the kind of thing where I could legally take a portion of a lot of these settlements if there's a physical component and make part of them non-taxable due to physical injury. But it's a very tough category. I'm hopefully waiting to find some cases that have actually been tried that'll be more clear-cut on fire damage. Of course, I don't think there's ever been a fire in the United States that had as many victims as this one. As far as I know, we'll just have to wait and see. But it is the latest chapter in doing taxes in Butte County. Now that the money's rolling in and there's a whole nother phase of planning to see what these people need to pay and how much might be non-taxable. It's actually a little bit crazy. It's part of, it's part of being a CPA. You have to do it. You got to figure it out. I enjoy research. I hate the fact that I have to charge for my time. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not a specialist in these involuntary conversions, but I've done a lot of them. So it's kind of a fine line. If I find somebody with too complex of a situation, I'm inclined to just tell them, you know what, you better go find somebody who's already an expert at this exact involuntary situation because... I would have to charge you too much time for me to get up to speed where somebody else might already know it. And that's the case with any profession, I believe, like a med- medicine, a legal. You always want to find the person who is doing the, doing the, the sub-chapter of what you're dealing with, like taxes, le- law, medicine. You always want to find somebody who's good at the area you need. I'm... You know, there's certain areas that I am just not an expert and I send a lot of potential clients away because I just say, you know what, that is really not my main field of expertise and I don't want to uh, have to charge you for time that somebody else down the street might already know that that category. I always try not to feel like I should know everything. When I was younger, I always felt, oh, I really don't want to tell anybody that I don't know that field. I'll take it on and I'll figure it out. And when you're young, you try to do that because you're trying to build up your business. But as you get a little older, and we never talk age on this show, but I'm a little older, and you finally realize, no, you can't be an expert at everything. Even I've been doing taxes for over 40 years, uh, first as an enrolled agent during the 1980s, and then as a CPA in the 1990s. And there are still categories that I just don't feel that great with when I see a client come in. And uh, the older I get, the more people I just turn away and say, you know what, I'm not the exact guy that is the best, uh, best choice for that, for that problem that you have. But I think the main thing is after 40 years of doing taxes, I am very now familiar with what I am good at, which uh, helps me to know which people I can take on. I met a nice young couple today, and I've already found some things I can help them with, and it's really fun to 
it's really fun to be a somebody in an area like this where you get to talk to people, you get to help people, and sometimes I send them to someone else to get their help. But so anyway, that the latest deal in the tax world is these settlements are coming, and I got to figure out the best way to minimize people's taxes. And that's my job for the next uh, month or so with those type of new clients. So on Business Buzz, as you know, I try to inform you. I try to give you the other side of the story. I try to challenge your brain a little bit and make you think differently than you usually do, or at least at least make you think that there's two sides to every story, which there usually is. I probably alienate half of my audience when I talk, but I try to keep it balanced so that I'm just trying to tell you there's more than one side to every story. And sometimes sometimes you really can't find the really can't find the real answer. As I try to do with business buzz, I'd like to start with more local news and then sort of branch out. We might have time later today for a lesson in a lesson in peace of mind not sure if we're going to make it or not to be honest i got a lot of topics to cover just so i can tell you that you've got to look at both sides of everything this first one this is a an article from the chico er my the only newspaper i actually pay for a subscription because if i look at the san francisco chronicle yeah, sure, there's sometimes where I'd like to see an article there about the Bay Area, but I can usually find it elsewhere, so I don't really subscribe. But as far as local news, I do subscribe to the ER because that is kind of the the local news place to go. So it's an article in the ER. It's actually This one's actually from a reporter at the Orange County Register, which is Southern California. His name's Jeff Collins. And it's called California's Housing Market to Cool in Second Half of Year, Realtor Economists Predict. House prices still will be up 21% by year's end, thanks to the white-hot home-buying frenzy during the first half of the year. So any of you who have been home shopping, you probably know this already. Uh, if you own a home, uh, you know, congratulations, it's probably worth twice as much as it was five or six years ago. It could go back down to where it was five or six years ago. It could go back down to where it was in 09 after the crash. Who knows? I don't know. One thing I can guarantee you, one of the big factors in whether house prices are up or down is the interest rates people pay for a mortgage. So when interest rates are low, people can afford more house and so they can pay more for a house. The one good thing about this era of home price, when you, when you wonder about home price, where they're going, one good thing about this era is this. If the Federal Reserve, the private corporation that runs uh, our nation's money and has for the last 108 years, if they try to raise interest rates up to a normal historical level of 5 or 6%, Everything implodes and it's the end it's the end of the world as we know it, which means that mortgage rates are likely to stay super low for quite a while, which means that if you are a young couple buying your first house but you have to pay three seventy five now 
where a year ago it would have been, you know, 295, at least you you do have the odds in your favor that interest rates are not going to go up, which means that that part of the home price quandary or that part of the home price uh, mystery box probably won't change. So that's a good that's a good stabilizer for the price of homes when you know that the people who set interest rates absolutely can't raise them. I'll explain a little later why they can't raise them. I've explained it many times before. Just suffice it to say that our interest rates in general in this country cannot go up. If they do, the bankruptcy of the U.S. will be finalized. It's already 99% there, but it'll be finalized if interest rates go up. In fact, while I'm on that subject and before the first break, I'll just dwell a little more on that. I don't want to switch horses in the middle of the stream. The debt is so high, the money that's been printed in the last, even in the last year or so, is so big to tack on to the old debt that if the interest rates were normal, the deficit would be so high that everything would spiral into complete bankruptcy, even though it already is incomplete bankruptcy. They're keeping it looking okay because of the very low interest rates. The only negative to printing money to end all your problems, which is what they've been doing since 08. Now, up until last year, they weren't giving the money to the people directly. They were giving it to their rich friends in the big banks. That money printing inflated the stock market and the housing market and the mortgage market. It really didn't inflate prices at the grocery store because regular people didn't have a lot of extra money. Now with this stimulus money, real people are getting money, and the money supply in the real people world has gone way up in the U.S. versus the U.K. and the Euro and all that. So the bottom line is, we're going to have inflation in our daily life, and you've probably already noticed it. That is the one negative of printing money, and it's the one reason why you can't keep printing money indefinitely. It'll always cause inflation, and now that the stimulus went directly to people, we see that ordinary prices are being inflated. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be right back after this message. Wednesday, Alistair Begg describes a distinguishing characteristic of Christians. Paul knew what a compelling testimony it would be to living faith in the God of Scripture if these believers in Rome were to be seen as living lives that were marked out by a distinct hope. Join us Wednesday on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Paradise Auto Body would like to remind listeners that many accidents are the result of drivers on their cell phones. Cell phone usage while driving is quickly becoming a serious problem on our roadways. So whether you're talking or texting, cell phone use is a major distraction. Do your part to keep our streets safe. Put the phone down while driving. That message courtesy of your good friends at Paradise Auto Body, 1122 Elliott Road in Paradise. For all your body shop needs, A to Z, 
They're on the air because they care. The issue in politics is not whether you're Republican or Democrat or whether or not we have a huge debt or not. The issue is morality. Toleration is the theology of the day. I'm sorry, I don't believe that. David Hawking explains the important role morality should be playing in the world. This week on Hope for Today. Tune in for Hope for Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for being able to spend part of your busy weekday afternoon with me. I appreciate that. I'm here to try to entertain, to educate, and hopefully to make you think, and then maybe to give you peace of mind, and then to offer a free income tax consultation. So, I mean, what more could you ask? That's got to be the, the best bargain in town. Well... It just depends on, you know, everybody has an opinion of what everything is worth, but at least I don't charge for it. I mean, past the initial free consultation, have to charge something. Well, that's a whole other situation. I was just talking about inflation. And like I say, I'm not going to sit on that too long, but I'm just saying that Money printing is great. It kind of solves all the problems, except prices go up, and that is never good. Now, the problem with this situation is the entire world has been doing money printing. The entire world's economy is in big, big trouble. And I've already told you how to buy insurance against that, at least for your money in the bank. When your money in the bank goes worthless, which it will someday, uh, I'm not a certified financial planner. I'm just a CPA, and I'm not telling you what to do with your money, but I will tell you that there's never been a paper currency in history that didn't die at some time. There's a few current ones still alive, but there has never been one that didn't die. Now, that last commercial that said politics, government or politics shouldn't be about Republican or Democrat, should be about morality, well, that is sort of what I'm talking about here. And my problem is this. There are rumblings that there may be a few problems with the election of 2020. I'm not saying there is or not because I'm not an auditor of elections. But I will say this, if there is a problem, it shouldn't be a partisan issue of Democrat or Republican that cares. It should be every citizen that cares. We have laws that ensure that citizens are the only ones who vote. If there is monkey business going on with the elections, I want to know about it and I want it fixed. I, I went for many years not voting thinking my vote didn't matter. Then I started voting again a few years ago, and whoops, now I'm finding out maybe my vote didn't matter after all, and that would kind of upset me. So I got to thinking, 
I'm not saying there is a problem with the election or not. I think they're going to find that out when they dig in and recount everything in a very detailed manner. But I will say that wouldn't it be interesting if we do find out that there's shenanigans and then we look back at a list like I've got printed today. And this is congressional members with 40 years or more of House service since Congress convened in 1789. 31 members have served 40 years or longer in the House of Representatives. And then we got uh, John Dingle from Michigan, 59 years, started in December of 55. Jamie Witten, Democrat, 53 years in office, started November of 1941 from Mississippi. John Conyers Jr. from Michigan, another one from Michigan. Keep that Michigan in mind. Another one from Michigan gets 52.9 years from January of 65. And then it goes down the list. Uh, Sam Rayburn, you've heard of some of these. Uh, Joseph Cannon from Illinois. Adolph Sabbath from Illinois, 46 years, 45 years. So, so riddle me this, as they say. What if those people didn't really win that many elections? If John Dingle was in for 59 years, I believe that means that he won 30 elections because it's it's a two-year term in the House. 30 elections. For 59 years, nobody in his district was able to overcome his huge vote-getting potential among the people who must have just loved him to death that he was taking such good care of in his uh, his constituents. 60... Um, 59.06 years. All I'm saying is think think a little bit, folks. Think about what's possibly going on here. I'm not saying it is. I'm saying there's a chance there is. I'm not saying the percentage chance there is, because I don't know. Then we have another list. Women with 25 years or more house service. Marsha Kaptur from Ohio, 38 years. Edith Rogers, Massachusetts, 35 years. Nancy Pelosi, uh, California, 33 and a half years. Nita Lowy, never heard of her. Democrat from New York, 32 years. Maxine Waters, I've heard of her. 30 years. I guess the people down in her district just love what she does, and they're very happy to elect her 15 times. Okay, well, as I say, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully these people are wrong, and there is no election fraud going on. But wouldn't it be interesting... If it turns out there was. 
Anyway, the latest, uh, the other list lists members of the whole Congress, including Senate, too. So since I've already mentioned the House, I'll just look for the senators. Robert Byrd, 57 years, but that's less than D- Dingle is number one. He's a congressman from Michigan. Robert Byrd's the number one senator, 57 years from West Virginia. Now, they get elected for six-year terms. So 10 times he got elected. I guess the people of West Virginia loved the way he represented their state. Maybe, maybe they did. I don't know. But I'd like to find out. Daniel Inouye, he was the one from Hawaii. I remember him. He was on the, uh, I remember him because he was on the Watergate committee on TV. John Conyers shows up. Carl Vinson. Anyway, this thing isn't telling me whether they're senators or senators or Ted Kennedy. He was there 46 years. He got elected at least seven or eight times. Chuck Grassley, he's still in from Iowa, 46 years. They must love what he does. Ed Markey from Massachusetts. Oh, speaking of Massachusetts, if you want to learn something about Massachusetts elections, and I'm not talking about the presidential election, I'm talking about senatorial election, look up Dr. Shiva lawsuit. Something like that. I don't know exactly how you look it up, but just look up Dr. Shiva lawsuit. You will be amazed at what's come out in his little lawsuit. He's like supposedly the guy who invented email. He's like some billionaire techie guy. Just look up Dr. Shiva Massachusetts lawsuit if you're interested in some real fireworks going on in a in a trial. It's not to trial yet. It's just all the discovery stuff. But I thought that was interesting. So that was the business of Congress. You should make a lot of money being there for 60 years. I wonder if you have to do anybody any favors when you're in Congress for 60 years. Do you think you have to do anything for anyone, or do you just go about your business and do what you really think is right, and the people love it, and they vote for you 10 or 30 times in the Congress? Oh, here comes that second break. Stay right tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back. Hi, this is Rick McConnell with the Disciple Tip. Nobody has to tell you when you need more gas in your car. You look at the gauge, and if it's low, you put some gas back in. But what about your spirit? It works pretty much the same way. Your spiritual tank can get empty, and when it's low, you need a spiritual fill-up. But you don't have a gauge on your spirit to see how low you're getting. But there are some signs like depression, irritability, and a sense that God is far away. See Galatians chapter 5 for more signs of an empty tank and the secret of getting your spiritual tank full again. A message from Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Hi, this is Rob Walter, host of Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is a program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness and where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Join me at 7 a.m. on KKXX. Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. here on KKXX. 
Fellow Americans, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. You and me, we the people, owe it to ourselves and our posterity to know the Constitution and Bill of Rights and hold our leaders and representatives accountable to its life, property, and freedom-protecting principles. Unite with other moral and religious organizations to protect your creator-endowed unalienable right. America, bless God. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve! By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm happy to be here today. I'm glad you're able to spend part of your weekday afternoon with me on a hot Chico day. I enjoy getting to the studio and taking a break from the CPA office now and then. It luckily it stays busy, and I'm there to make, I'm there to make money and do business and help people. So how could I complain? So we just talked about a little bit about the business of Congress. Now I'm going to do a little more about the business of medicine. So we have a situation where there's a vaccine that uh, I'm not a doctor. Do not take this as medical advice. Seems like we have a vaccine that's not really a vaccine and it's in the experimental stage. So I'm wondering, okay, what is the, what are some of the motives to have this? if it's experimental, and now I believe it's turning out that the people who got vaccinated, like they were trying to do the right thing, are now being asked to wear masks again and maybe get boosters all the time. So I'm thinking, okay, what could be the what could be some of the motivations for, for this vastly important vaccine against a disease that is basically like the flu? And... Uh, so I found a good article. It's actually from CNN Business from May 21st of 2021 by an author named Hannah Ziadi, And it's called COVID Vaccine Profits Mint Nine New Pharma Billionaires. It says COVID-19 vaccines have created at least nine new billionaires after shares in companies producing the shots soared. Topping the list of new billionaires are Moderna CEO, Stefan Bonsell and Uger Sahin, the CEO of BioNTech, which has produced a vaccine with Pfizer. Both CEOs are now worth around $4 billion, according to an analysis by the People's Vaccine Alliance. Senior executives from China's CanSino Biologics and early investors in Moderna who have also become billionaires on paper as shares skyrocketed partly an expectation of profits earned from COVID vaccines. Now, wait a second. I thought these vaccines were given out for free. Oh, wait. Somebody's paying for them. Hmm. I wonder how that works. 
These billionaires are the human face of the huge profits many pharmaceutical corporations are making from the monopoly they hold on these vaccines. Anne Marriott Oxfam Health Policy Manager said in a statement, These vaccines were funded by public money and should be first and foremost a global public good, not a private profit opportunity. Anyway, that might be one motivation for everybody wanting, everybody telling you to get the vaccine. Maybe, maybe there's some money involved. It sure sounds like there is. I wish I had a billion dollars. That's, that's neither here nor there. So I'm thinking, okay, then what's the downside possible of this whole Pfizer vaccine thing? Then I find another article. Remember, I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling you what to do or not to do. I'm just trying to read you a few articles. That's all I do. It's my goal in life. So then I find one that says, Spanish study finds Pfizer vaccine contains high levels of toxic graphene oxide. So it says, researchers from Spain have discovered the BioNTech Wuhan coronavirus vaccine contains graphene oxide. The research team from the University of Almoria, Department of Engineering. Anyway, I'm not going to read this word for word. It says, in this study, the Spanish researchers found that each dose of the Pfizer vaccine they examined contained around 747 nanograms of graphene oxide. This meant that more than 99% of the Pfizer vaccine was made up entirely of graphene oxide. Graphene oxide, a material formed from graphite, is a known toxic substance. Previous studies have shown that graphene-based materials like graphene oxide can cause dose-dependent toxicity. It can damage the liver and the kidneys, spur on the formation of granulomas in the lungs, decrease cell viability, and trigger cell apoptosis, or pre-programmed cell death. Animal studies have found that injection of graphene oxide in the body deposits the toxin substance, toxic substance in the lungs, liver, spleen, and kidneys. Researchers have also reported difficulty in cleansing the material out of the body. Many face masks being peddled by corporations are coated or lined with graphene. In their report, the Spanish researchers also discovered significant amounts of graphene oxide in the swabs used in polymerase chain reaction and antigen tests. These tests are used supposedly to detect COVID-19. Medical expert, quote, no reason for graphene oxide to be in vaccines except to murder people. Whoa, those are some strong words, but that was a medical expert. I'm not a medical expert. I'm a CPA. I do taxes. And then there's a little bit more about this. It says, during his show, Peters asked Ruby if graphene oxide is poisonous. She responded by saying it is is most definitely a poison. Ruby then went on to explain some of the ways graphene oxide is dangerous to people. She said it destroys literally everything inside the cell. It explodes the mitochondria. It creates a situation where the body is on a 10-alarm fire truck and inflammation, cytokines, chemokines. This is incredibly violent. Inflammatory storm comes in, and it has particular affinity for creating acute inflammation of the lungs. It creates an inflammatory storm in cardiac tissue and in brain tissue. There's no other reason for this to be in the vaccines. 
except to murder people. Well, like I say, that's a medical expert. I'm not a medical expert. But now, so I went a little further and I thought, okay, there's new billionaires because of the free vaccination making these guys super, super rich. And then I'm thinking, oh, there's some kind of, there's medical experts that tell me there's poison in these things. So I'm thinking, and then I read that all these companies are forcing their employees to take it. So I'm thinking, okay, now what, what can I, what can I do about this as an alternative news junkie? What can I do? So I found an article called advice for those mandated to take the shots, your rights to fully informed consent. And this is from, well, I got it off of, it's called alt news. And it says here, If you are being forced to vax in order to keep your job, here's a great way to handle it. The secret is not to refuse it. A friend in the uh, NHS is being pressured to take the jab. I write with regard to the matter of potential COVID vaccine and my desire to be fully informed and appraised of all facts before going ahead. This is what you would tell the employer. I'd be most grateful if you could please provide the following information in accordance with statutory legal requirements. One. Can you please advise me of the approved legal status of any vaccine and if it is experimental? Two, can you please provide details and assurances that the vaccine has been fully independently and rigorously tested against control groups and the subsequent outcomes of those tests? Three, can you please advise of the full list of contents of the vaccine I am to receive and if any are toxic to the body? Four, Can you please fully advise of all the adverse reactions associated with this vaccine since its introduction? Five, can you please confirm that the vaccine you are advocating is not experimental mRNA gene-altering therapy? Six, can you please confirm that I will not be under any duress from yourselves as my employers in compliance with the Nuremberg Code? Seven, can you please advise me of the likely risk of fatality should I be unfortunate to contract COVID-19 and the likelihood of recovery. Once I have seen the above, received the above information in full, and I am satisfied that there is no threat to my health, I will be happy to accept your offer to receive the treatment, but with certain conditions, namely that, one, you confirm that I will suffer no harm, two, following acceptance of this, the offer must be signed by a fully qualified doctor who will take full legal and financial responsibility for any injuries occurring to myself and or from any interactions by authorized personnel. Three, in the event that I should have to decline this offer of vaccination, please confirm that it will not compromise my position and that I will not suffer prejudice and discrimination as a result. I would also advise that my inalienable rights are reserved. Says that, And then this guy who wrote that says, the point is they cannot provide that information and you've not refused. So that is one way to sort of, quote, refuse the vaccine if you're boss is making you do it and you really don't want to and I think it's kind of an interesting list kind of makes you think and then it kind of takes me back to the previous article I read about graphene oxide so that's where I'm at and I'm not a doctor do not take this as medical advice you see your own doctor when you have questions I have no idea my brother was a MD I had no interest in that field. I didn't like biology. I liked chemistry. I liked physics. I 
detested biology. I hated having to, uh, what do they call it, with the scalpel, dissect. I hated having to dissect animals in chemistry. It made my stomach turn. So I would never be an MD, and I don't pretend to be one. I don't play one on television, and I'm not telling you I'm a medical expert at all. I'm just telling you I love giving people the other side of the coin and a second opinion about things that I've already read, including income tax and things like that. There's that last break. I'm going to be back for the last little segment. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be right back. Pacific Justice Institute. This is the Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Davis. Two educators in Oregon's Grants Pass School District are on administrative leave. Why? Their violation was posting suggestions for gender identity balance on their own platform. Their group, iResolve, seeks firstly parental involvement in gender identity school policies. Secondly, to let teachers continue teaching without violating their conscience. And thirdly, to continue treating all students with respect and dignity. Well, Oregon PGI attorney Ray Hackey is representing the two educators to defend their First Amendment rights. Visit PJI.org to sign up for our weekly newsletter, The Legal Insider. PJI provides legal representation without charge. Get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at PJI.org. For an engine to start, quite a few things have to happen with split-second timing. Many things can happen perfectly, but if one small thing doesn't work, our radio station is much the same way. We can have all the right teaching and talk programs. We can be broadcasting to thousands. But if one crucial element is missing... It just doesn't work. That element is your financial support of our programs. Regular financial support and prayer support. We depend on it. With you standing behind us, everything will run just fine. You're listening to Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for spending part of your afternoon with me. I just happen to be glancing at the price of gold and silver today. And I don't really watch the price that much. Uh, you know, when, when I've, what I do look at a lot is the ratio. What you look at is the, uh, Silver to gold, gold, well, it's gold to silver ratio. You look at how many ounces of silver does it take to buy an ounce of gold at these paper prices. And right now it's hovering over 70. Uh, at one point it hit like 120. That was at the low point of silver. Silver went from about 13 to 30 after that. Now it's back down to 25. Uh, 
Uh, my guess is it's going to pop up to about 40, uh, maybe. I will say that the one, the one thing when I tell people that the price of silver and gold is manipulated and they don't believe me, all I can say is that if silver and gold were allowed to go up to where they should be, the system would be collapsed. Everybody you know would be taking their money out of the bank and buying something real, and their system would end. That's why they they made it a plan for the last 60 years to manipulate the price of precious metals downward. And even at that, gold has gone from 250 an ounce to 1800 an ounce, and silver's gone from like a dollar 50 an ounce to 25 an ounce. And that's with their best their best efforts over 50 years of suppression. So I, I've talked about inflation and precious metals so much. I, I really don't want to, don't want to do that again. I'm, I'm just not in the mood. You guys know what I'm thinking. You notice it when you go to the store, don't you? The shrinkflation. I know one thing I've used to buy, I buy a lot is Ziploc bags. I use them as tax folders. I know environmentally people might complain, but then again, uh, trees aren't being chopped down for envelopes. But I noticed they went from 40 per pack to 38 per pack overnight. That's a two out of 40. That's a 5% increase overnight that you don't even notice because the box looks the same, just has a different number on it. So what I wanted to do today was just have a little fun because I've had a busy, busy day. And I was going to look up some quotes from serious people. But instead of that, I'm going to look up some quotes from a funny person. Now, not not everybody likes this person. I have mixed feelings because of his personal life versus his comedy. So please don't take offense if you don't agree with his personal life. I don't either, but he's never been convicted in court of anything. I'm just not certain if it's that. I don't, you know, I'm not going to judge somebody on what I've heard. But I do think this guy is really funny. So let me find this. There's a quote place I like. Let me see if I can find this thing. Dang it. Hang on. Sorry about that. I'm sort of prepared. I've got my I've got my tablet here. Okay, I'm almost there. Let me find this. I won't keep you long. Hang on. Almost four o'clock. Almost four o'clock. Okay, so the person I'm talking about, if you haven't guessed, is Woody Allen. And the reason I brought this up is I've read these before, and uh, to me they're very humorous. And I figured, got to end the show with some lightheartedness. I'm not in the mood for any more Egon von Greyer's articles. They're always the same, predicting doom and gloom. 
The problem is the longer they keep this charade up with the money printing, the worse it's going to be when it ends. That's the real problem. So here's a quote. It's not a funny one, but it's a good one for anybody, including a business quote. 80% of success is showing up. I like that one. And here's one. He says, if you want to make God laugh, tell him about your plans. That's, that's a little, well, he's kind of pessimistic. If you know, if you've seen some of his movies and his stand-up comedy, he's kind of a self-deprecating, negative, pessimist guy, but he's funny in that funny in that way. Some of his movies, he really casts himself as a kind of an idiot, but it, it becomes pretty funny. Here's one I really like. Oh, wait, before that one, here's another one. I am not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. And then he says, this is a good one. Tell me if this doesn't ring true. Life is full of misery, loneliness, and suffering. And it's all over much too soon. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And here's one on this kind of in the same vein as that one. The food here is terrible and the portions are too small. Here's another one I like. Oh, here's a good one. Bisexuality immediately doubles your chances for a date on Saturday night. Thought that was entertaining. Here's one I really like. I've never been a fast reader, so this one gets me because I've always tried to read, like if I read fiction, which I don't do that often, I just read it so slow, I lose interest because I can't cover enough of the story in any one sitting because I don't read for like a whole day anywhere. Anyway, here's another quote from Woody Allen. I took a speed reading course and read War and Peace in 20 minutes. It involves Russia. (laughs) Uh, He says, my one regret in life is that I am not someone else. Here's one more good one. I'm very proud of my gold pocket watch. My grandfather on his deathbed sold me this watch. Oh, here's a good one for, for an annuities guy. There are worse things in life than death. Have you ever spent an evening with an insurance salesman? says, you can live to be 100 if you give up all the things that make you want to live to be 100. Not only is there no God, but try finding a plumber on Sunday. He says, in my, wife, I'm the, in my house, I'm the boss. My wife is just the decision maker. He says, what if everything is an illusion and nothing exists? In that case, I definitely overpaid for my carpet. Basically, my wife was immature. I'd be at home in the bath, and she'd come in and sink my boats. How about this one? I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve it through not dying. (laughs) says, I believe there is something out there watching us. Unfortunately, it's the government. The lion and the lamb shall lie down together, but the lamb won't get much sleep. (laughs) Because what if nothing exists and we're all in somebody's dream? 
Hmm. That sounds a little bit like a certain book you know. Because I am thankful for laughter except when milk comes out of my nose. Here's another one. I had a terrible education. I attended a school for emotionally disturbed teachers. Says when I was kidnapped, my parents snapped into action. They rented out my room. I got one more. I got two more. I'd call him a sadistic, hippophilic necrophile, but that would be beating a dead horse. Uh, here we go. Life is divided into the horrible and the miserable. Says I don't believe in the afterlife, although I am bringing a change of underwear. Now this is a good life advice one. The talent for being happy is appreciating and liking what you have instead of what you don't have. Well, I agree with that. Says to you I'm an atheist. To God I'm the loyal opposition. Says I'm astounded by people who want to know the universe when it's hard enough to find your way around Chinatown. Here comes another one. It seemed the world was divided into good and bad people. The good ones slept better, while the bad ones seemed <laughs> to enjoy the waking hours much more. <laughs> As if my films make one more person miserable, I'll feel I have done my job. Because <laughs> I failed to make the chess team because of my height. says, if only God would make me some clear sign, like making a large deposit in my name at a Swiss bank. He also says, uh, if my films don't show a profit, I know I'm doing something right. I'm going to keep going. These are better than I thought. It's been a while since I've read them. His lack of education is more than compensated for by his keenly developed moral bankruptcy. I have bad reflexes. I was once run over by a car being pushed by two guys. Because most of the time I don't have much fun. The rest of the time I don't have any fun at all. Anyway, I thought those were pretty good. Anyway, I thought that was good. See, what else did I bring today? Well, I think I'll just uh I'll just talk about how about Chico Chico
Chico business in 2021. I'll reminisce about what I've seen. Downtown still has a lot of the places closed. Hopefully they'll open up. Hopefully a lot of the business owners got a lot of money from the government to keep things going. The tax world is not getting any simpler. It's really gotten complex with these latest rules, but hopefully if you're a Paradise Fire victim, you're going to get a good settlement, and at least that'll help to make up for what uh, what you lost in the fire. I know that's a just a really terrible thing to go through, so I hope that works out for those of you who are involved in that. Thanks for listening to Business Buzz. I will see you next time. Thank you very much. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Have a great week. KKXX Paradise, K280GL Chico, and K283AR Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. Breaking news this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. House Minority Whip Steve Scalise is insisting that New York Governor Andrew Cuomo must release data about nursing home deaths before leaving office. Republican Whip Steve Scalise of Louisiana issued a statement upon learning of the resignation of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Criticizing the governor's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, Scalise writes, It is long overdue for Governor Cuomo to end the cover-up and be transparent by releasing the data from his deadly mandate that nursing homes take COVID-19 positive patients, which led to the untimely death of thousands of seniors. Scalise says in June of 2019, Cuomo ordered COVID-positive patients to nursing homes, which spread the virus among seniors. Bernie Bennett reporting. President Biden is applauding Senate passage of a $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill. The president welcomed the bipartisan vote approving the legislation, which he said will be good for the country. We're in the cusp of an infrastructure decade that I truly believe will transform America. Speaking from the East Room, Mr. Biden singled out the Republican senators who voted yes, thanking them for their courage. You have, and no doubt you will, disagree with me on many issues. Where we can agree, we should. The bill now heads to the House, where the president predicted success. Greg Clugston, the White House. California's largest single wildfire in recorded history is running through forest lands as fire crews try to protect rural communities from flames that have destroyed hundreds of homes. The Dixie Fire in the northern Sierra Nevada is 25% contained, but officials warn that hot, dry weather could return in the next few days. That could make the forest lands more combustible. The blaze has destroyed nearly 900 homes and other buildings and gutted the small town of Greenville. Damage reports are still preliminary because assessment teams can't reach many areas. The fire is the largest of about 100 large blazes in 15 western states. On Wall Street, they're up by 162 points. More on these stories at townhall.com.
Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. Order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. Call 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. In the warehouse, the job has to get done. But if you're working with an outdated forklift that has more downtime than up due to maintenance, it's time to make the switch to Novalift lithium-ion powered forklifts. With a Novalift forklift, you get less downtime, a longer lifespan, fast, efficient opportunity charging, and a five-year cost of ownership that will save you almost $45,000 over internal combustion models. Novalift, revolutionizing the material handling industry one job at a time. What's in your warehouse? Find out more at noblelifetna.com save. Here's the townhall.com business brief. Stocks ending mixed as gains in banks and elsewhere in the market outweigh a slide in technology companies. The S&P rose one-tenth percent. The Dow rose five-tenths percent, but the Nasdaq slipped five-tenths percent. Crude oil rose 2.7 percent after slumping the day before. Food distributor Cisco surged 6.5 percent after reporting results that were much better than analysts were expecting. Kansas City Southern jumped 7.5% after Canadian Pacific raised its offer for the railroad operator. The Dow gained 162 points today to close at 35,264. The Nasdaq lost 72 to 14,788. The S&P 500 added 4 points to 4,436. New York Oil rose $1.81, closing at $68.29 a barrel. With business, I'm John Scott. News and analysis at townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Hey, this is John Fuller, and Focus on the Family is looking for talented writers and editors to help produce our audio programs and podcasts. Go to focusonthefamily.com slash...